0: Support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Carl Photography Podcast. groundbreaking moment for the podcast in the sense that we have an Emmy Award winner uh, with us. But we got to start off by framing how you found photography and what gave you your start in photography. So what was it that drew you to photography in the first place?
1: Well, first of all, let me just say thank you for having me today. Um, it's it's uh, after years of, of sort of talking about films and television and scripts and all that kind of stuff. I'm really enjoying talking about my, my first passion, which is photography. So thank you for having me today. Um, you know, my first memories of photography uh, growing up as a as a kid in the 1960s in the United States, um, you know, it, it probably, the 60s was probably one of the most pivotal uh, decades in American history, you know, with the Civil Rights Movement and the Vietnam War and uh you know, uh, the, the awful assassinations of John Kennedy and, and Martin Luther King, and, and then topped off with, uh, the assassination of, of Robert F. Kennedy, just really a very controversial time. And, um, a lot of my impressions of what were was happening in the country at that time, uh, was from pictures. And so mm-hmm. Um, I was struck by this dichotomy of of different sort of cultural experiences that were going on from you know the civil rights movement, which was being covered by people like uh, Gordon Parks and Leonard Freed, um, to the Vietnam War, which was was all over the television as well as in magazines, and you know some of the it, it, there was just a ton of documentary uh photography uh going on at the time and so that was my first impression that photography really uh you know was an important medium um and was was capable of telling stories in a way that um that i had never really experienced on that level i mean obviously children's books and and pictures and those things are a lot different than what was happening and i was really compelled by that. and, uh, you know, I sort of absorbed it. Um, I, I did not start shooting, uh, until 1971 or 72, I think. And, right. um, I went down South in Louisiana doing a, a film called Sounder. And, um, we, uh, somebody, the wardrobe department was using a Polaroid to, uh, to take pictures of the cast, um, in their, in their wardrobe. And so, you know, I was like, I was really, you know, talk about instant gratification. That was what was so fascinating about Polaroids at the time. And so that's when I, that was my first camera. And that's when I started to really sort of get into it and just, just, just be, be really aware of my own photography. Um, so that's where it started. That's how it started.
0: I've read that you've described photography as being therapeutic. Um, How so?
1: Well, I think that um, certainly now, I mean, I can speak more to, um, you know, how I've sort of evolved as a photographer. And, you know, I come from uh, um, a career, um, a long career. uh, Thankfully, I was very fortunate to sort of start out as an actor um, in the business. My father, Robert Hooks, uh, uh, is retired now, but he was an actor and I followed in his footsteps when I was nine years old. So for roughly a half a century or more, I have been involved in the family of making film and television, uh, which is a very large family. Um, and so certainly as a director, um, you know, as things sort of progressed, uh, more and more people got involved in the process of, of, of making that product. And so what I find now, um, is the beauty of, you know, photography is I go out and it's just me. It's just me and my camera and no one else is standing behind me to sort of second guess, uh, what I'm shooting or what I see. It's a single experience. And so coming from the crowded world of film and television, where there are so many people with with input uh, to a a singular vision, finally just seems like a godsend, and um, I enjoy it immensely. Um, you know, just going out with my cameras and 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 exploring uh, for stories and special moments and special light and all of those kind of things that make up photography.
0: Is it the case that you're using the sort of the solemn independence of photography to offset the larger productions? And then does that work conversely where you enjoy having more people around when you then go back to working in larger productions?
1: Um, You know, I, well, I retired in January. So there's, 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 it's only working one way now. And I think that's part of the therapy as well that, um, you know, I finally graduated to the part of my life where I get to enjoy this now full time. Um, but you know, that was, that was six months ago. So, you know, I can tell you that, you know, they were, they were some synonymous, um, you know, in a lot of, lot of, lot of creative ways. Um, they did sort of work, um, one impacted the other, um, in, in, in both directions. I mean, obviously working with, um, cinematographers over the years, you know, my, my eye has been trained to see light, um, and, and to, to, uh, you know, composition and all of the elements that make up a really compelling frame. Uh, that's not to say that I always wind up achieving that, but that's the goal. Uh Um, and so that certainly helped my photography Um, and then uh, conversely and interestingly enough, you know, uh, I also came up during the time of everything going from 35 millimeter film to the digital world. And so, um, that prompted me to pick up, uh, a camera, you know, I got my first digital camera. I think, um, I remember my, my youngest daughter was graduating from high school and, and, uh, She's, she's now a lawyer, but I I can't remember. It had to be a dozen or so years ago when I got my first digital camera. And, uh, part of the reason for that was because, you know, cinema was, cinema was moving into the digital world. And, um, I, I needed to know the technical aspects of that. And so much of it was synonymous with it. So I was able to take my camera out and learn the language and the technical aspects of it, and then go into the workplace and be able to articulate um, and share the language and the nuances of that with my DPs. And so it was a sort of give and take. They did work together for for a while. Um, but I always enjoyed the singularity of being out with a camera and just uh, sort of seeing the world through my own eye without any real Uh, immediate influence or input from someone else.
0: Looking at your work, especially the black and white images that you produce, it seems that you are very invested in silhouette and very sharp shadows. Um, Is this something that you've like intentionally planned out or is it just more happenstance in the fact that it's sort of Mm -hmm. geographical with the light that you're seeing every day?
1: Yeah, I think um uh, you're absolutely right. I, I think one of the reasons why I really enjoy black and white and and that evolved as well. Um, but uh it 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 I think it started out as happenstance. I um I, I think that, you know, I as I said, I, I learned to sort of see light. And I'll never forget I had a conversation with another photographer friend of mine, and he said something once that you know sounded like Crazy, but then when I when I started to realize what he was saying and started to experience it, it made sense. And he said, "You have to learn to see light." and um, And I thought, "Well, that's preposterous." Of course, you do. But <laughs> uh, when 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 I started to go out, um, I found myself being drawn to pockets of light, um, uh, areas that created sharp angles. Um, and gave me an opportunity to get you know long shadows and, and that kind of thing so I started going out later in the afternoon um, and uh, and trying to find those types of situations and so I think it evolved like that so now I definitely am drawn to um, I'm drawn to light I'm, I'm, I'm really looking for opportunities to not only create shadows but to create, um, you know, I've been playing around lately with some really high contrast uh, stuff, uh, which is nice as well in black and white um, and, um, you know, really sort of sort of pushing the boundaries of contrast, you know, in post. And um, I I really enjoy that. Uh, I, I do. So, yeah, I think now I, I look for it. Um, I didn't always do that, but I think I, I quite naturally now see it. Um, it's a bit of a challenge, though, because, you know, you you wind up going out and sometimes you find really great opportunities and sometimes you don't. And you come home and you've got like two shots and you look at them yeah. and go, well, you know, why I was out for three hours and I took two <laughs> shots like that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Um, but I, I'd rather, I'd rather be specific about it just because that's, you know, I like the challenge of it and, and that's the type of framing that I like to do. You know, those hard shadows and those, those angles, you know, I shoot a lot in downtown LA. And part of the reason for that is because the buildings and the reflections of light off of them really create you know, some, some dynamic, uh, angles of light and shadow and, uh, you know, which really helps with sub framing. And, uh, so it, that's, I've sort of fallen into that, but I, but I really do enjoy it.
0: Well, I was, I was just about to mention that there's, I think there's a lot of links between yourself and, um, Jeffrey Carp in the sense of using, um, architecture as sort of a geometric frame within a frame quite often. Um, but you've kind of, you've jumped ahead, you've read yes. my notes before I got there. Um, is it something that takes a long time to get to know the area before you can uh, sort of the locality of where you're shooting before you can start to see these things? Or is it something that you feel like you could go into any area now and start to see it just because you've attuned, you've sort of tuned up those skills?
1: Well, first of all, I want to talk about my buddy, Jeffrey Karp, because you're absolutely right. He is a master at uh, at using geometry in his work. And I'm always fascinated by... Uh, what he's able to, to do um, and, and what his eye sees. Um, and I've, I've learned an awful lot from him. So I, I have a great deal of respect for his work. Um, uh, on the other hand, you know, I mean, to answer your other question, um, I find myself scouting a lot more now, um, you know, I, just because of that reason. Um, it's very difficult to go into an area that you haven't been to Um, you can stumble upon that stuff, uh, from time to time. Sometimes it's, it's sort of like going into a toy store, you know, you, you look up or a candy store and you go, Oh my goodness, this is full of opportunity. Um, Mm -hmm. and then sometimes, which is why I like downtown LA, I know the areas, I know how the light reacts. Um, you know, of course the problem is you get bored with that. You want to move on to something else. And, um, but I find that I do have to scout. I mean, I, I, I will go out and, uh, uh, you know, I'll take long drives out of town, you know, and go to areas that I've never been to before and just study light. Um, you know, drive around and, and, and find a pocket or something and park and then walk around and just study the light. Sometimes, you know, you get there a little late or a little early and, and you say, OK, well, I've got to come back to this spot. Um, and, uh, and that's really nice when you can do that. And, uh, and I find that you can be much more productive that way. You know, uh, Alan Schaller, who is, um, uh, a, a guy who, who a photographer, who, uh, is also British, um, shoots a lot of black and white stuff. And he, he, uh, I, I saw a talk that he did. And, uh, you know, and he talks about that. It's, it's like, you know, you have to sort of study the light. You have to go out and um, and and focus on, you know, finding a certain type of shot as opposed to just walking around all day and just looking, you know, uh, searching for something. It's like when you find something that works. You're going to I do at least uh, I I will I will sit there and wait for the right opportunity and the right situation to happen. And if it doesn't happen on Wednesday, I may go back on Thursday or Friday, Uh, but I'll definitely make a note of it. So, yeah, it's definitely a studied kind of a thing. Um, You know, like I said, sometimes you go to areas and it's just there and you're like, wow. And then it's overwhelming. You know, you just feel like I can't get enough of it. but most of the time, you got to look for it.
0: Do you set yourself any kind of restrictions or rules when you're going out to shoot? Do you like limit the the gear that you have on you, or the number of images that you can take, or maybe only work within a small area?
1: I I, I really don't. Um, like I said, I, I don't. I try not to veer out too far. I mean, I try not to spread myself too thin um, when I go out. I will pick an area and say I'm just going to work this area today. Um, I do tend to work with one or two lenses. Uh, That's it. I mean, it's generally a 35 millimeter uh, or a 28 or a 35 mil uh, for the most part. Um, uh, But I don't, other than that, I don't really have a lot of hard, fast rules. Um, uh, I, I think it's just a matter of preference more so than rules. I know what I like and um, I, I sort of go more toward those tendencies. Um, so, I, but I don't, I don't really have rules. I mean, I, I don't have this thing where it's like, I'm only going to take, you know, 10 shots today, or I'm only going, I've done exercises like that. You know, when, when I've really sort of gotten into a creative block and you're, you know, I've, I've gotten out, you know, my photographer's handbook and, and, and looked at, you know, some, some exercises that really sort of help you, um, get out of that, that creative funk, if you will. Uh, but generally, no, I don't, I don't have a lot of rules. I I don't, um, you know, I'm not one of these sort of spray and pray guys as they call it. I'm not looking for, You know, I don't put it on automatic and just sort of, you know, I do zone focus, but I mean, the reality is that I'm looking for frames more than I am, you know, now that's not to say that, you know, somebody comes down the street with, you know, the perfect outfit and the the red, you know, (laughs) umbrella or, you know, the wild hair or whatever the deal is, I may look for a frame there, but no, I, I really don't don't have any rules. I think I've just narrowed down what my preferences are. And I think, as you pointed out, you see that in the work. I mean, I, I, I predominantly shoot black and white. I have for, for a long time. And I see the world that way. And, uh, but I've learned to slow it all down. So uh, no, I wouldn't say I have too many rules, just preferences.
0: So to sort of bring this in from my perspective, I'm a primarily a portrait photographer and I'm trying to sort of learn street photography. And something that I'm seeing more and more is that street photographers shy away from the portrait side of things quite often. And you don't, you kind of buck that trend. Yeah. Um, what about portraits is it that you enjoy?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that you asked me that because, um, somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago in an interview about stories. Do I look for stories when I'm out shooting? And I said, well, you know, I'm really looking more to create when I'm, when I'm out shooting. That's not to say that I'm not looking for stories, but I don't, it's not like I get up in the morning and say, I'm only going to shoot stories today. And if I don't find a short story, I'm not, you know, so be it. I'm looking for whatever it is. Um, but the point of the matter is, is that what I find is that I've always had a strong connection with people. I've always been a people person. I've enjoyed talking to people. Um, I, I, it's it, it's nothing for me to strike up a conversation with a stranger on the street. Um, I've always been like that. And so what the reason why I'm able to bridge that gap, I think, and the reason why I like to shoot portraits as well as street photography is that I find my stories in the people that I shoot. And so I look for interesting faces. Um, and it's all most of the portraits that I shoot are people that I've, I've engaged. And I know like street photographers, a lot of them will say, you know, I don't want people to be aware that I'm shooting them and, you know, and sometimes that's, that's fine. I'm kind of the opposite where, uh, if, if, if I strike up a conversation, if I see someone that looks interesting or they're doing something interesting and I, I, I think that it would translate to a really good portrait, you know, I I will, I have no problem with engaging them and, and, and telling them, you know, Hey, you, you know, you look fantastically dressed today or, you know, I love that hat and those glasses. Do you mind if you know I take a, a couple right. of portraits of you while you're doing that? And uh, and most of the time, people really enjoy the compliment, so they open up, and uh, and I start talking to them. Um, you know, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because just today I posted a picture of a a, a portrait uh, ironically of a guy that, that, uh, I shot in Johannesburg, South Africa. And he asked me to shoot him. I was in doing my street photography thing and he saw the camera and he came up to me and he said, I want you to shoot me. And I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> and when I pointed the camera at him, he closed his eyes and I kind of like, waited because I thought maybe he was just sort of preparing himself to take the picture and he never opened his eyes. So I started clicking and, I, and it wasn't until I was finished shooting that he opened his eyes. And I never got a chance to talk to him about why he made that choice. But I right. remember someone else telling me that, you know, there's so much spirituality in various cultures about connecting, you know, being photographed and or connecting with the person that is looking at you. And it's a sign of gratitude, you know, uh in some uh parts of South Africa, w- w- not to look at the person who is addressing you, authority. And I thought, okay. wow, okay. So he went to that place. So I find my stories in portraits and I love people and, and I really enjoy uh, shooting them. And I don't do it an awful lot. But but the ones that I've done, I'm really proud of. I, I just feel like uh, I, I love getting into the soul of, of those folks. And um, uh, so it, it's a nice counterpoint to the the street photography, which is really sort of more image-driven um, and more geometrical. um I love to see somebody smile. I love to get into their eyes. And I think that's where I find my stories.
0: I mean, obviously having that kind of broad range of of stuff that seems to be more geometric and more about lines and shadows and then having other stuff that's emotive and narrative driven. um, This is a bit of a broad question, so I apologize in advance. But what is it that makes you want to take photos generally? What's the feeling that you're getting from being a photographer that drives you to keep doing it?
1: I think I think that it is um, the personal connection and the personal perspective, if you will, of of the world. Um, and you know what's beautiful about photography uh, is that no two photographers will see the same thing in the same way. Um, wow. And 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 I think that. You know, again, um, you know, I, I really, really enjoy uh, being able to capture moments um, in a very specific way uh, that that are clearly uh, my per- perspective. Um, that's not to say that someone else will not have shot the same angle. Um, uh, uh, and it may look very similar, but. It won't be the same moment in time. Right. And it won't, it, it, it won't be the exact same frame. There's just no way that that can happen. Um, you know, I'll tell you a quick story about that. I, I frequently go out with a friend of mine, uh, to shoot together and we were in Venice Beach one Sunday afternoon and we came upon uh, these handball courts, and there was a gentleman there, sort of with a basketball, and he was practicing his shot and dribble. But there was no, there was there was no no basketball net. There was it was it was a handball court, but it was gorgeous. The the palm tree shadows were across the court, and it was late afternoon. And both of us were attracted to this. We're like, wow, okay, we have to shoot this. So we kind of surrounded it, and we both shot it. And then a few minutes later, after we had we were done and we were walking away. And he said to me, he goes, wow. He says, that was great. Wasn't it? And I said, yeah. He said, uh, you know, it was really interesting how that guy's shirt, uh, matched the color of the handball court. And I said, right. what are you talking about? And, uh, and, and he said, you didn't see that. And I said, no, what I saw was the shadows. I mean, it was a black and white frame, man. I don't know what you're talking about. So we were (laughs) shooting the exact same thing with an entirely different perspective. I mean, I never even noticed the color of the guy's shirt. He never really thought about it from a black and white standpoint. So I think that's what I really enjoy, Chris, is, is, you know, A, like I said, for so long, I have been, been telling stories that were written by someone else, interpreted by me visually. In conjunction with a number of other people, and now it is: give me my camera. I go out. I shoot what I see the way I see it. No questions asked. No second guessing. People appreciate it or they don't. Um, but it's it's my perspective of the world, and and that's very satisfying to me. I mean, it's particularly satisfying when people embrace it. Um, but it the 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 very nature the doing of it for me and the process of a singular vision is so satisfying for me.
0: I mean, you've mentioned um, the the ability to show your own perspective there, and with the, I, I think it's probably fair to say the distrust of of sort of mainstream media has never been higher, and the. Um, the amount of people that are out doing street photography has probably also never been higher if, if, if you're sort of discounting photojournalists as being part of the media. Do you think it's important right now um, that people understand the, the weight of street photography and how much it's documenting sort of the huge changes that we're current, currently going through as a way to show individual perspectives as opposed to what used to be the case, which was we focused entirely on what we were given by the media?
1: I think absolutely. I think I think that your um, your you what you said couldn't be more true. Um, you know, now that that everyone has a camera in their cell phone, um, and everybody has the ability to shoot video, we can see how it's changed the world. Um, and I think that you know the younger generation who may not ha- be aware of the history of street photography or the history of photography period. Uh, suddenly have cameras in their hands and they realize that they are documenting change. And I think that that is so incredibly important uh, for all of us because in a sense, you know, they're all now depending on, you know, the, the event and we certainly have had enough events uh, to be, to stories, if you will, slash events to be covered this year. Yeah. Um, and we're only halfway through the year. Um, you know, they, they, we've turned, cell phones have turned everybody into photojournalists. And, you know, you just think about the impact of that it has had for the past decade and continues to have on the world. So, yes, I, I think it's very, very important. And I think everybody is now starting to understand um, that, you know, when you are out documenting events, um, it forces people to see it. And now we have the ability to have so many different perspectives. You know, I had a chance to, uh, I had a chance to meet Nick, Utt, um, who was a famous Vietnam war photographer, um, a few months back. Um, and, and I don't know if you remember Nick, Utt, but Nick shot, this very famous photograph of this this young Vietnamese naked girl on this this war oh, this yeah, 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 torn yeah. road, yep. um, just sort of walking towards his camera, and um, you know, and he was he was telling me that you know there were there were there were only two two other photographers that were out there with him, and he said the only reason he got that shot was because the other guy had to reload his camera. And so he wound up getting this this award winning shot while the other guy was reloading. So, but the point is, think about there were only a number of photographers who were embedded in the Vietnam War um, and and that conflict, as well as the civil rights movement. And, and I'm talking mainly about events in the United States right now. But I mean, I certainly can think back to Tiananmen Square. And, and and other places, most recently, where you know, had it not been for cell phone pictures and/or video, we would have been relegated to um, not only mainstream media, but we would have been relegated to authoritarian state-driven uh, propaganda only, and so the importance of what's happening right now i think cannot be underlined um it cannot be stated uh, understated i guess is what i'm trying to say so yeah. you know i'm really really happy for that um and uh, you know i have not been able to get out and cover the um the protest here uh, i'm immunocompromised so i can't can't still. <laughs> although it seems like uh, people want to believe COVID is done with, it's not, uh, and so <laughs> it's. I've had to avoid that, but I'm really, really been. I've been very supportive of the people that are out there documenting it because it's so important.
0: I mean, it's it's fantastic to see so many different perspectives on the same thing because then you feel like you're actually getting filled in on the details that one perspective couldn't cover by itself i mean that's that's what's been so fascinating from a if you take it from a sort of very sterile point of view it's just it's really interesting to see the different ways that people choose to document something that feels like it only has one dimension to it it actually shows that it's a real multidimensional um active breathing thing that you kind of um you need all of that perspective to even begin to get your head around what's going on
1: well, the interesting thing about it is you're absolutely right. And I think that's where the combination of still photography and videography is so compelling. Because now, you know, I mean, still photography, by the time, you know, traditionally still photography is reporting about moments that have happened a day earlier. Um, it's after the fact. And yep. with videography you're, you're recording it in real time. So, yeah. you know, when someone tries to deny that something happened and we can clearly see with our own eyes that it did, um, yeah. it really raises questions about the integrity of, of, of what's being, what's being said. And so the combination of those two things is just, uh, has just really, uh, up the ante, um, and given us, as you say, such a such a tremendously compelling uh, array of information uh, to view um, and help us put together a point of view and uh, and I think that's that's what you're seeing um, it, certainly in the United States right now, but across the globe. Uh, you know people are not able to to just suppress voices and 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 suppress, Oppression, if you will, uh, and um, and we're we're getting much more of the truth than I think a lot of people would like.
0: If you don't mind, I, I didn't want this to become a um, a podcast where I go too much into your film and TV career because I, I want to talk to you as a photographer. But if I could relate some of what you uh, experienced in film and TV to photography, if that's okay with you, one thing that you mentioned before we started was um, that you have been doing some teaching. And I was just curious to know um, if you find that the, um, I I always, I hear this quite often that people that teach just by externalizing what it is that they do, they actually learn more about themselves in the sense of sort of the subconscious decisions that they make. Have you found that sort of experience yourself when you've been teaching?
1: Yeah, I uh I learned a lot uh by teaching. I I taught for a semester uh at a uh, college here called Morehouse College, which is one of the historically black colleges down in Atlanta, Georgia, and I did the spring semester. I had taught a master class in directing and uh you know, it's funny. I, I've I've thought a lot about that, and uh, and I I'm listening to your question, and and I'd never really thought about it in that context. But you're absolutely right. I did. I mean, I think that uh, what 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 took me by surprise was just that that you know I was talking about I was externalizing, as you say, um, a number of different processes, whether it was prepping, you know, a show or a film, uh, working with a a DP or production designer um, or the process of actually, you know, staging scenes um, Mm -hmm. or photographing them on set, whatever it was, or editing, uh, expressing all of that um, was really interesting in terms of like, wow, okay, uh, I didn't really think about how much I had been through in my career, it just was sort of on automatic at a certain point. You know, you don't really think about how much information you've accumulated until you start to express it, you know, to a group of young, sort of fascinated, you know, teenagers or students, yeah. as it were. But yeah, I was i was really blown away by that. Um, and, I, and it did teach me a lot about you know, my priorities. Now remember, keep, keep in mind that I also was going through this during a period of time. I had just retired, uh, in January and literally 10 days later, I was teaching my first class. So I, I was really in a, in a huge transition, uh, 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 place and, um, And so I was thinking an awful lot about what I wanted to do, whether or not teaching was going to be, you know, my next move or what I didn't know. Um, and I did enjoy it. Uh, but in a weird way, you know, it also made me once again, appreciate, you know, the ability to go out on my own and shoot, because, you know, having managed, you know, productions, and production executives and crews and actors, mm-hmm. writers for all those years. I found myself, you know, now managing administrators and and kids <laughs> who, you know, were late for class or you know didn't get the assignment. And you know, I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to really be doing this. <laughs> um, but uh, it did teach me a lot about. I think you 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 know even though you're externalizing the process i think you are internalizing you know the meaning of 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 what is is happening and and what's important to you you're prioritizing um you know your own thoughts and feelings um and and the fact that i was retiring at the same time really gave it a context that was that was pretty heavy um, so I'm glad I survived it. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> I, I'm still glad I retired. Uh, but it was, it was very cathartic. I have to say.
0: I mean, in terms of your own work, when, when you're, um, photographing, when you're going through the the image selection process, what is it that you want? the emotional reaction to your photography to be like, I, I see a big difference between younger generations and older generations in that younger generations are very focused on audience reaction and older generations are focused on creating their vision, putting what they, what they wanted and making sure that they're externalizing their idea. And I just I wonder what it is, because I I don't get the impression that you're particularly I don't want want this to come across as as rude, but I don't feel like you're particularly Mm -hmm. bothered about your audience reaction. I don't think it would affect the way that you work as much. You're you're creating work for yourself. Um, What are you looking for in terms of emotional reaction from your work?
1: Well, listen, I think I think you're right. I mean, I'm not. You know, I am not, of course, you know, you want people to respond to your work positively. And, um, uh, you know, so so you do get sort of caught up in the whole uh, Instagram of it all, which has to be managed. Um, the expectations have to be managed because it's very easy to fall into the trap of you know, well, I didn't get as many likes on this picture. I thought it was a much better picture than, than, than the response that I got. And, you know, and, and that is, that is clearly a trap. I mean, that's the, that's the dopamine, you know, machine that we all carry around in our, in our pockets that, you know, we get addicted to. So I think you have to separate, you know, the work um, from that. It's always nice. But you know, I, I really try to focus on the work. Um, and you know, again, this is one of the things that I think: the more you engage other photographers, the more workshops that you do, the more focus uh, on the actual technique and uh, the product. Uh, I think the less you really sort of care about how many likes you get and and, uh, and all of that. Look. I mean, you know, uh, there are times when when I show my wife pictures and she goes, I don't get it. Uh, (laughs) So, you know, uh, not everybody's going to going to get and she knows me pretty, pretty well um, in my work. But, you know, there are times where she just doesn't see what I see. And there will be times where people just will not connect. Um, And that's okay. I think. You know, for, for me, that's one of the reasons why I like black and white. I, I think that, um, you know, the, the the wide range of... First of all, I think black and white strips away so much um, uh, distraction, if you will. Um, look, there's a time and a place for color, um, and I enjoy doing that. Uh, but for the most part, I, I like the bare bones of black and white because I just love the challenges of, of, of creating a frame that, you know, has black, white, and all of the mid-tones in between. Um, And so, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's really more about the technique. And I think, you know, photographers who are studied photographers and people who are accomplished sort of understand, you know, what it is that, um, other photographers are trying to do. Uh, and that's what's important to me. Um, you know, I have a really good relationship, uh, with, you know, I shoot, I shoot exclusively Leica cameras and I've got a really good relationship with the folks over at Leica and, and have some, some great, you know, mentors over there as well. People like Matthew Baton, who is shooting, you know, out shooting protests and stuff right now and really accomplished photographer. Uh, Jesse Marlow is another Australian photographer um, who who really does more kind of abstract work. But those guys have kind of really shared um, their experiences with me. And so uh, I I enjoy that part of it. So for me, you know, if I get... (laughs) You know, if I get the approval or the support of, you know, those types of people, that's more important to me than getting, you know, uh, 500, 600 likes. I, I, that's great. Yeah. Um, but it's really about pushing myself to learn more and, and learning from some of these people whose work I respect. You know, I mean, again, that that's that's where the phone call you know, with the group of photographers came with, you know, with Jeffrey Carp is, is, you know, just that idea that, you know, we all sort of got on this call together and we were doing it once a week. But I think, I think now, you know, as things have opened up, you know, we've, we've struggled to sort of do it once a week. But the point is, you know, we push each other to, 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 we talk about the work and, and I think that's important. So for me, the response that I'm looking for is probably more Technical than emotional. To be absolutely honest with you, I mean, if I get the emotion, that's great too. And 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 you know, I mean, that's sort of like that's like a bonus for me. Um, but I really enjoy uh, you know creating dynamic frames and 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 working with light and, and all of that. Um, and I also enjoy the post aspect of it too. I, I like you know giving myself an opportunity to, to do some things in post. So those are the things that are important for me. That's what I hope people respond to. Um, I think subconsciously if more novice photographers or, you know, people who are just, their interest is peaked and they don't know exactly what it is, what it is, what it is people asked me just recently about doing a workshop and, and all those folks are you know, it's not many, but there's a handful of folks, but they're all sort of new to it, and they're looking to up their game. And it's—I'm flattered that they see something in my work. They may not know technically what it is, but they're being—they're—they're uh, they're being moved and compelled by something in it to say, "Hey, I want to be able to do that." And that's—that's that's great. I mean, I couldn't ask for more than that. You I mean, that means more than anything to me.
0: Uh, in your opinion, what's your worst habit as a photographer?
1: (laughs) Oh, my worst habit as a photographer, um, other than chimping, uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you, you, yeah, I, I I wish I could get out of that habit. Um, That's just bad. I mean, I, you know, I feel so bad when I'm, when I, when I chimp and all of a sudden the shot that I've been waiting for goes by because I'm looking at my monitor. (laughs) Uh, That, that, that really makes you feel kind of, kind of stupid. I I think that for me, the thing that I have to push myself to do is to work the scene more. Um, you know, there, they talk about that in street photography all the time, you know, where it's like, if you see something happening or developing, you know, you want to sort of shoot it, move around it, you know, try to find different angles. Because you never know quite where it's it's going to work best from, um, and I I just have a tendency to get stuck sometimes, um, and that that has to do with my desire to create a very specific frame. Um, but that's sort of how I am about life. I, I you know I see something specific, and I'll stay with that until I execute that, and sometimes. I will miss out on another great shot because I've been studying that one angle for too long. So that's something I have to constantly push myself to do, um, is to, is to, you know, to, to shoot it and then move around it. You can always come back to that, but I tend to find an angle and then I wait, um, which is not terribly bad. It's just that, you know, uh, sometimes you go, oh, oh, I see. I should have been over there, but it's too late um, to do it because the light changed or I'll see somebody else having shot that same area and I'll go, wow, I was just there and I didn't even see that. Um, but again, that's the beauty of it. But that's that's probably the one fault of mine that I kick myself about uh, quite often is I think I give up on a scene too too quickly.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned chimping. Have you considered potentially going back to film as a way to sort of fight off that urge?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I do shoot a little bit of film. Um, In fact, I was uh, uh, my wife and I took a trip to Europe last year, and I shot film the entire time, Um, and it was kind of nice. You know, not not you know. The funny part is, is that. I would still find myself looking down at the camera as if, you know, there was the monitor there. It's like, (laughs) no, that's not. Uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I like shooting film. I love shooting film. Actually, I don't do it enough, but, uh, I think it's just because of the immediate satisfaction world that we live in. You know, it's, it's very difficult to, um, You know, unless you're, you're, you're developing your own film and, 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 you know, scanning and doing that yourself, the turnaround on it is, uh, is a little longer. And it's like you sit there and think to yourself, well, I have all these digital cameras and, you know, why am I shooting film? But I, I, you know, I, I did pull it out the other day and I started shooting film again. So I I don't think I'm ever going to give that up entirely. I mean, it's just such a natural, I mean, it's, it's just the way it used to be. I I love digital, but man, film is just amazing. I, it's just, it's just sort of like the beginnings of photography for me. And, uh, nice to go back and sort of feel that again you know the load the film and, and yeah it's just great
0: i generally try on the podcast not to talk too much about gear because i think especially um photographers in their earlier stages of development are sort of bombarded with adverts and um people that are ambassadors for brands and whatnot constantly pushing new products on them but um, one thing right. I'd like to ask you, cause you, you've mentioned right. Leica and having personally never photographed using a Leica camera. Um, I hear a lot of things, um, that people who use Leica say about them. What is it about Leica cameras that's so great?
1: Well, I've been using them now for about, uh, going on four years, I think. And, uh, I think, you know, uh, I, the simplicity was the first thing that, um, when I got my first one was, was, uh, impressive to me and it felt very comfortable. It was, you know, it was weighty. Um, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles on it. It's, it's, it's sort of like down to the basics again. Um, you know, it's a rangefinder, which was reminiscent of the very first camera I ever had, yep. which was not a Leica, it was a Yashica. Um, that I was shooting back in the early seventies, and uh, I do believe that that camera was uh, was a rangefinder. And um, I don't want to go into great detail about the rangefinders, but it's sort of like when you go to to the optometrist and they give you the eye test and they tell you to, you know, tell me when the two lines match up, and and that's basically how the rangefinders work. Um, but, you know, obviously the optics, um, <laughs> are really stellar. Um, the images are just so clean. The lenses are superior. Um, and it's an easy travel camera and that was the biggest problem. That's why I got into it. I was shooting, you know, Canon for a long time, and you know, which I loved and I still have all my Canon stuff. Um, talk about great lenses. Um, but, you know, I was traveling a lot and I just wound up having an entire suitcase full of my stuff. And I had to find a way to whittle it down. And, um, I met some people who shot like, uh, and, uh, and they were big proponents of it. And so I looked into it and, uh, and it just felt like, you know, it's like, I felt very comfortable. I felt like I was back to the, the, the actual it slowed everything down in a way it was like, Oh, wow. I haven't enjoyed photography on this level in a long time. It wasn't automatic and it wasn't all this stuff. And it really made you, I, it made me appreciate photography on another level again. Um, right. and I really, I really love that. And, um, so I've stuck, I'm stuck with it and, um, you know, it seems to suit me and, um, yeah. So at any rate, I, I hear you though. Look, I mean, there's a lot of really good equipment out there, including phones. And so I think it just is a matter of, of sort of, like I said, it's technique. It's, it's really about what works for you as a photographer, you know, and there is no right or wrong. Um, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've seen some incredible work by people who shoot on their, their phones and I just go, yeah. wow, that, that's amazing. So that's the beauty of it now is that it's wide open. It's just a matter of what your preferences are.
0: What we always try and do with the podcast it's the entire purpose of it is for me to try and draw interest from people that may not have heard of the guest before and give them the opportunity to find their work. Um, All I want to do is just constantly um, find new work for myself and find new work for other people because I think that's the most exciting thing is when you find your new favorite photographers is, is always the best. So where can everyone find all of your amazing work?
1: Well, listen, I mean, first, first and foremost, uh, you know, on Instagram, uh, my, uh, my handle is at hook shots. Um, and then, uh, my website, Kevin hooks, photography.com. Um, uh, both of those places, uh, you will see, uh, you will see my work and, uh, please come on over and check me out in either one of those two places or both. Um, and uh, I always appreciate the support. And quite frankly, I always enjoy finding uh, new photographers myself. So, you know, don't, don't just come over. Come over and say hello and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll find each other.
0: Amazing. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you.
1: Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate you having me today and uh, keep, keep up the good work, my friend. This is, this is really an honor to, uh, to share some time with you.